What is going on, everybody? Jamie Shaw here on the Absolute Basketball Podcast. Very excited about today's guest. We have Earl Grant from the College of Charleston. We get to talk about his upbringing. We get to talk about coaching with Brad Brownell and Greg Marshall. We get to talk about their very distinct styles and how he has morphed them together to come up with what he um, has done as a player, his success as a, as a, as a player as well, um, and all that type of stuff. But before we get into it, we ask the, the normal that you would please go ahead and subscribe to this channel, give us a five-star rating, and leave in the comments what you enjoyed most about what was being talked about. And if you enjoyed what was being said, please feel free to share this uh, interview across your platforms as well. Uh, want everybody to hear what, what Earl and the College of Charleston have going and all that kind of stuff. But without further ado, here is Earl Grant on the Absolute Basketball Podcast with Jamie Shaw. Thank you guys very much. What is going on, everybody? Jamie Shaw here on the Absolute Basketball Podcast. Very excited today to have Earl Grant of the College of Charleston on with us here. Earl, how's it going? Going great, man. I really appreciate you uh, bringing me on. And, and, you know, obviously I know you're doing some great things, so I appreciate you, you know, thinking about us down in Charleston and giving us an opportunity to, uh, to hop on with you and, and talk a little bit. Earl, I appreciate that. That means a lot. Uh, kind of wanted to jump right into it. Um, you were a player at Georgia College, and you had a lot of success there. Two Peach Belt championships, you know, had Elite Eight appearance while you were there. What type of player were you? Well, I mean, I think I was a, uh, number one, a great teammate. Um, you know, somebody that cared about winning and, and cared about how the teammates uh, felt, uh, trying to make sure those guys were successful. Uh, but certainly you mentioned, you know, Georgia College, that's Division Two, So, uh, you know, had some humble beginnings there. Uh, made me understand and appreciate that level of basketball uh, in the Peach Belt, uh, you know, teams like outside of the Peach Belt, the Wingates we played against in the Queens and and Barton was unbelievable back then. So some of those Pfeiffer, you know, some of those really good teams that, you know, maybe some people don't appreciate that level. Um, you know, I really appreciate that level. But just a, a guy that wanted to win, uh, I think that's what, what the most important thing I can tell you is I was a guy that wanted to win and, and I cared about my teammates. and. Uh, and that was the most important thing, just uh, taking care of my brothers and, and, and doing all we can to find a way to win. And then, so shortly after you graduated, a year or two afterwards, you jumped on at Citadel to be a coach and everything. Was it always in the cards that you wanted to be a college coach? I mean, was coaching kind of always what you wanted to do? Well, I thought I wanted to coach, um, you know, high school basketball. You know, the first time I got to coaching Bug, was at Spartanburg Methodist my sophomore year. You know, there was a couple guys that tried to make the team and got cut. Mm -hmm. And and those guys who got cut, I put together an intramural team there on campus. Okay. And, and when I did that, um, you know, I just remember that that excitement of coaching those guys in the old gym over there at Spartanburg Methodist and, and trying to, you know, coach a team and trying to motivate. So I would go to my practice uh, at Spartanburg with my teammates. And then after that, I had practice with my intramural team. So that was fun. Uh, really wanted to do high school, uh, you know, thought about some JUCO stuff right there when I was coming out of college, be like a RHD slash assistant coach, uh, you know, and then the good Lord blessed me. You know, I got a job at the Citadel, uh, really did an interview for the job. Guy Pat Dennis was the head coach there at the time. and He had recruited me a little bit out of high school. And so that was my first chance to really see how important it was, how you treat people and how you deal with people because he was recruiting me mm -hmm. I, and I, I didn't really have a lot of plans to go play for him at the Citadel. But, you know, one of the things my dad told me was, Hey, answer the call, treat people right. And because of that, you know, four or five years later, he hired me as a coach. So 
I want to talk. I want to touch on this intramural team that you had. Now, were you one of those intramural guys that run all kinds of set plays and, and, and practicing like at all times and all this kind of stuff, or, or did y'all just no, talk to no, no, we didn't. No, we we weren't we weren't talented enough to try to do all of that. You know, I was just trying to get them guys to play hard and play together. And at that time, it was just just the enjoyment of getting a group together, man, and being yeah. in the huddle. Uh, and I didn't know, I didn't know what was happening. You know, I didn't yeah. know, I didn't know that was like the beginning of me wanting to really get into coaching, but. But I had that bug, and so just getting them guys together for practice, seeing how happy they were to be a part of the team. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, again, a lot of these guys got cut from the from the junior college team, and so uh, you know, put them put them together, man, and and uh, you know, we got to work and we had a lot of fun. So we played hard and got up and down the court, and I remember you know just enjoying it at a high level. That's awesome. Um, so, who were some of your coaching influences? Not 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 like molded you as a coach, but who were some people you growing up as a player or whatnot that, that really, really like, damn, that, that guy does a good job. That's pretty cool. I mean, I think the number one guy probably would be John Crest because I grew up mm -hmm. in Charleston. So uh, just seeing John Crest, what he did at the College of Charleston, you know, in the 90s when I was in high school, uh, you know, I remember one year, 1995-96, um, you know, the whole city shut down because College of Charleston made the NCAA tournament. Uh, they had only been Division One maybe eight years. They had came from NAIA and uh, and got into the TAC at the time, uh, which is now the Atlantic Sun, mm -hmm. before, before going to the SOCOM. But but they played against uh, – I remember they drew Maryland in the NCAA tournament, and my cousin, my cousin, LaRon Prophet, was playing at Maryland. Mm -hmm. And uh, I remember calling him saying, man, you know, I filled my bracket out, boy. Y'all got a tough draw with the College of Charleston. And he said, nah, we should be fine. A little mid-major school, we should be fine. And, and I remember College of Charleston beat them that year. And so that was really 95, 96. I was about to go to college, mm -hmm. uh, you know, about to go to Spartanburg Methodist. And at that time is when, you know, they, they beat Maryland. They played against Stanford in the NCAA tournament. So that really inspired me. And then the next one would be uh, probably Tom Izzo. You know, I kind of studied Tom Izzo years and years ago uh, when I was in college, you know, as a player and coming mm -hmm. out. I like the way, uh, you know, it was Judd Heathcote, who was his head coach at the time. Tom, Tom Izzo was the assistant, just becoming a head coach. And so he inspired me as well. Um, you know, really, really got me fired up about coaching. I would say probably Gary Williamson. You know, I worked his camps all the time, uh, going up in the summers, working the camp up at Cold Field House. So, you know, just being around Gary Williams and that staff, uh, that got me going as well. Uh, so those would be some of the guys. Certainly Greg Marshall, I worked for him and Brad Burnell, but these were guys before working with yeah. Brad and Greg that kind of got me fired up about uh, coaching and just being a part of uh, a team. And you start off your on-the-court uh, coaching career at the Citadel under Coach Pat Dennis, as we said earlier. Service-type schools present a different type of challenge. You know, at 25, 26 years old, what did you learn coaching at the Citadel with Pat? Well, I mean, I think the first thing is, man, just trying to get kids from solid home situations. So when they call home complaining about wanting to leave or transfer, you know, you got somebody at home that will say, hey, look, this is a good education. And hang in there. Don't just quit so easy. And so I think finding kids from a good sound uh, home with a good foundation at home was critical. And then the other thing I learned was, you know, there was a certain uh, pro profile of kid that fit the Citadel. And so mm -hmm. it was like the order of it would be like, First of all, find a guy that can embrace the sucky moments, you know, and understand that it's going to be some hard times. So make sure you recruit and find that. And then it was like, you know, making sure that, um, 
you find a guy that uh, can do the academic slash military, you know, slash all the structure. And then third was like, can he help us beat Walford the firm? That was third on the list. Yeah. You know, but you needed somebody that was going to play for four years and uh, you needed somebody that wasn't going to quit. So I think coaching at the Citadel in early 2000s, it helped me talked about identifying guys that fit a certain school and a certain system and a certain coach. And there's a profile of kid that, that mm-hmm. can win at certain schools. And I think I learned that when I was there, uh, we were fortunate. We, we signed some really good players there, but, but we also lost some guys by making decisions on taking the wrong type of person. Sure. And then how was it being, you know, 25, 26 years old, being a professional in your hometown? You know, it was pretty good, man. I, you know, I had my, I had a little bit of money in my pocket at the time. I think I was making about, you know, uh, sixty five hundred dollars, man. And I lived in a little house right outside of campus, with me and a couple football GAs. And uh, we were supposed to pay like hundred and fifty a month, but they never sent us an a invoice, so we never paid for two years. And uh, you know, we were young. Our staff was young. Uh, you know, so Charleston, hey man, big time city. Yeah. You know, uh, a lot of places to go out and eat, a lot of uh, places to hang out. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was action. There was energy there. So uh, really a good time for me coming back home uh, at that point, 2002, you know, being around my family, but also just living downtown as a young guy out of college with a little bit of money in his pocket. It was pretty good. <laughs> move. So you move from the Citadel to Winthrop. Immediately, you know, you go with Greg Marshall. You move from a 6-22 and Citadel team to a 27-6, and yeah. uh, you know, team in the Big South and stuff. How did that kind of grow your psyche as a coach? Man, that was a, that was a uh, you know, a breath of fresh air, you know, mm-hmm. um, because there was a guy named Pat Conroy that wrote a lot of books. And, uh, you know, he graduated from the Citadel and, I remember he came up to me and one of the other assistant coaches at the time, Chris Gerlison. Uh, Chris Gerlison was there with me. He's at the uh, University of Hawaii now as an assistant. And, and so he came up to us one day, he talked to the team and, and uh, just trying to encourage the guys. He was, it was a book he wrote called My Losing Season. And uh, it was about his experience as a player at the Citadel. And, uh, and he was telling us and you know, motivating us and things of that nature. So after the meeting, he said, hey, I want you to you know, read this book, My Losing Season. And, and I said, hey, man, I don't want to, you know, sound uh, harsh or anything. I said, but I don't think I need to read it. We just went 6 and 25. I lived yeah. I'm I lived good, I'm good Every, on that. Everything <laughs> in that book, everything in that book, I know what you got in the book. But, but you know, going from there to Winthrop, uh, Greg Marshall, another guy, uh, relationship. You know, I didn't interview for the job. Um, you know, he just – he was about to go out for some July recruiting and call me one day and say, hey, I got to open it, man. Do you want the job? And I'm like, yeah, I want the job. And, he said, well, go there and fill out some paperwork and we'll see you when we get back off the road. So, but he was at the, he was at the college of Charleston when I was in high school. Mm-hmm. So I met him, he was an assistant. So I met him on a park here in the city and we, we kept that relationship. Um, when I was coming out of Spartanburg Methodist, he had just got the Winthrop job. He tried to recruit me there. It didn't work out. And, um, and so we stayed in touch and, and again, let you know, again, the relationship uh, and how you treat people. You know, I got that job without interviewing, and, and uh, it really changed my psyche. You know, we had three unbelievable seasons, 25, 27 wins, 23 wins. Got to the NCAA tournament every year, you know, beat Notre Dame one year at tournament. So it uh, really gave me uh, the belief that if you have a system and you recruit a certain type of kids that you're going to win. I mean, he really gave me confidence in that. 
And I really kind of want to expand on that last part a little bit. You know, as you mentioned, in the three years y'all were there, uh, 79 total wins, three NCAA tournament all three years. Y'all even won a game, as you said, against Notre Dame um, and then got the job at Wichita State. In those three years at Winthrop, kind of what did you learn as a coach? Well, I mean, evaluating, you know, evaluating. Don't get caught up in uh, all the rankings, you know, not, not what y'all do. Yeah, no question, no question. <laughs> Don't get caught up in all the rankings, man. And um, there's a certain type of kid, you know, the quick twitch mu muscle fiber. You know, he wanted quick twitch muscle fiber guys. You know, he wanted guys that can rebound at 12 feet. Mm -hmm. He wanted guys that love to defend, you know, willing to work. And so that's what he looked for. He said, hey, look, if they got all of those characteristics, you know, we can help them develop. And, um, and so we just went and found a bunch of tough guys, man, that were athletic and fast. And so that's probably the number one thing I learned uh, being with him is a certain type of kid that helped you win. Um, and then it was a system to put them into uh, to, get, to give them freedom to go play the way they need to play. And then the other thing would be just accountability. Uh, he was very good at nipping things in the bud right away. You know, so if a kid missed class or a kid is late habitually, whatever, it won't never be habitually because he's going to nip it quick. Yeah. And it's going to be like that same day, you know, bring him to the office. And so I think he did a really great job of, of, of holding guys accountable. Uh, I think the evaluation process was a big part of what I learned from him. And, and, uh, and then just doing things the right way, being ethical, uh, don't cheat, uh, do things the right way and, and, and make sure that you, uphold the image of that program. He did a great job of that. I'll tell you what, in, in the state of South Carolina, there was no shortage of tough, quick twitch, lengthy players. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so yeah. that was a good spot to be trying to recruit those players in. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Um, so year one at Wichita State, y'all go 11 and 20. Year two, 17 and seven. Obviously going from the Big South to the Missouri Valley, there's a, there's a jump there. What would you say the biggest difference was between those two conferences? Well, I mean, the, the physicality of it, and the hard-nosed Midwest Western uh, values, you know what I mean? Like, we had Southern Illinois in there at the time, and they were really uh, tough to play against. Um, you know, just guys that worked, man, and, and uh, they came out with with uh, floor burn you on the back of their jerseys, you know, <laughs> back of their shirts, and that's what they had on there, and it was hard. Yeah. And then Northern Iowa, you know, playing against teams like that where those guys weren't athletic, they couldn't jump, they weren't fast. But that's why I learned a wall up and I learned fundamental pivots and uh, ability to pass and make good decisions like they were so efficient. Uh, you know, he had Creighton at the time with Dana Alton, you know, and those guys were unbelievable. Uh, yeah. You know, 17,000 fans every game you go play them. That was our rival. Uh, you know, Bradley was unbelievable. They made it to the Sweet 16. So and then one of the best coaches in the league at the time was Marty Simmons. And, those, and their team was 14 and 14 every year. But yeah. they, team, they played so hard. But it was a physical brand of basketball. A lot of good coaches. Uh, you know, it was a multiple bit league. Two or three teams could get to the NCAA tournament. Uh, but I just think the physicality and, and, the, uh, and, the, and the grind, it was more like Big Ten. Yeah. Um, the grind, the games you play in. And, you know, you look up at the scoreboard with five minutes to go, and it's 42 to 41, you know, and it's five minutes to play. And those games were like that a lot. So, uh, but a lot of great coaches at the time. And, and I learned a lot, you know, being out there in the Midwest, uh, developed some good ties as well. And then in 2010, you make the jump to come back with Brad Brownell at Clemson and stuff. I think something about Brad Brownell, that his coaching tree doesn't get enough credit that he has. I mean, you know, you have uh, Austin, Richie, Billy, yourself, all active head coaches and stuff. And then, you know, Rick and others have been head coaches as well. 
what is it about Brad that you think breeds success uh, for coaches moving on to, to have successful programs themselves? I mean, an unbelievable uh, uniqueness and ability <laughs> that he show every day of being comfortable mm-hmm. in your own skin. He was who he was, you know, and uh, there was some peace in seeing a guy for multiple years just be so comfortable in his skin and, and be true to who he was and, and have his beliefs and be strong in his beliefs, you know? And so I think that's probably the biggest thing, uh, again, ethics. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was very fortunate, you know, leaving Greg and then coming to him, you know, Hey man, let's do things the right way. You know, let's mm-hmm. don't take shortcuts. Uh, let's not cheat. Let's, let's make sure we uphold the uh, image of the school. Uh, but then he was a great teacher, a uh, great teacher, you know, every day in practice, I would get frustrated sometimes because, you know, as a, as a as a guy that pride himself in skill development, that was my deal most mm-hmm. of my career. I'm gonna get you better. Yeah, I'm gonna take you and I'm gonna get you better, and I'm gonna spend time with you. I'm gonna sweat with you. So I'll be uh, planning all my individual workouts. Yeah. This is my first couple of years, and Brad would come in there and he'd do the whole workout. And he was <laughs> in every work. He was in every workout. Whereas, so I said, you know, this guy's a gym rat. Yeah. And at first it was hard and it was frustrating because I wanted to run the workout. I wanted to coach these guys, Mm -hmm. but he was in every workout. And so once I learned to embrace that, you know, and I developed some trust in him, he backed off more in the year, late year two, year three, give me more freedom to do it. But I think what what was interesting is he just loved to be in the gym Mm -hmm. and he wanted guys to do things the right way. And so he was very involved, but, but very comfortable in his skin. I mean, I think that was the, the biggest thing to jump out to me, just, hey, man, be true to yourself uh, and, and coach the way you believe to coach and, and let the chips fall with where they may. And then, obviously, Greg and, and Brad are both very intense people, but in seemingly very different ways also. Mm-hmm. You know, you spoke about them both, um, you know, the ethics of it and, and the intensity of it and all that kind of stuff. What would you say that, you know, with Brad loving skill more so possibly and Greg possibly loving athleticism quick twitch more so, what would you say that – how does Earl Grant's philosophy mix in between the two of them? Yeah, I tell you, it was hard leaving. Uh, it, was, it was a challenge. I wouldn't say hard. I left Wichita, and I wasn't going to leave. You know, we had turned the corner, won 25 games, had everybody mm-hmm. coming back. I could see that something great was about to happen. Uh, and I remember flying in to Clemson. You know, Brad, I didn't know Brad. I knew Dick Bender. Dick Bender recruited me when he was at Ratford mm-hmm. when I was coming out of high school. So we, again, relationships, we stayed in touch. And, uh, you know, 20 years later, he's, he's leaving Tulane. He's going to be an assistant at Clemson in some capacity. And he actually introduced me and Brad. Mm-hmm. Um, and so coming to Brad, I didn't think I was going to leave Wichita to go to Clemson, but I, I got off that airplane, hopped on 85, went across that Wahala bridge. And I saw that sign to say, welcome to South Carolina. And my whole demeanor changed. You know, I'm from South Carolina. I'm fired up. So I go in, interview with Brad. He offered me the job that night. And, and the rest was history. But I think with Brad, man, just, uh, you know, it was hard when I first got there because we were looking for quick twitch muscle fiber, rebound at 12 feet, tough guys. Like the four man, I don't give a crap. You don't have to make a three. Can he rebound? Can he defend? Yeah. And then I get the Brad. And it was like, hey, man, we need a four-man that can really shoot the ball and really could pass it. And it wasn't as much about that quick twitch muscle fiber. Mm-hmm. It was more about IQ and feel and being able to see, to make the right passes and the right reads. Because we were playing motion. Yeah. We were, I, went from a, I went from a set play offense to a motion offense where you got to read and see. 
And so the, the hard thing was our first year or two at Clemson was, do we leave outside of our area to search for these skilled guys? Mm-hmm. Or do we take the athlete here? Yeah. And, 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 and right here in the South. So I think what happened was me and Brad early on, I was trying to find him what he wanted. And then I just had to find him what we needed, like yeah. in terms of what we could get and evaluate. So like, say, for instance, we took KJ McDaniels. And I remember driving down to Birmingham, Alabama to see him. We had just lost a kid, Noel Johnson, transferred in the middle of the year on us. And so I'm driving down to uh, Birmingham to see KJ McDaniels. So I go down. I go watch him. Uh, me and an assistant coach from Missouri, we both in the gym. And, you know, I watched him. And I said, man, this kid's so athletic. Quick twitch. Yeah. Rebound at 12 feet. He's <laughs> all over the place. He's fast. I like him. And on a ride back from Birmingham, I'm like, man, Brad ain't going to like him. Yeah. He can't, he can't shoot it. You know, he don't really handle it that good. He's not a great field guy. And so I, I told myself, I'm going to tell Brad we can't take him. Drive back to Clemson, uh, get up that morning, go in the office, go into my office. Brad come knock on my door. He said, how was that kid at Birmingham? I said, coach, we got to take him. He's athletic. <laughs> He's a quick twitch. He's long. His second jump is unbelievable. He's going to help us. Long story short, no ACC offers, no SEC offers. First team, all ACC, mm-hmm. defensive player of the year, led the ACC in block shots. So pretty good. And, yeah. uh, and then we did it again with Jerron Blossom game. You That's know, what I was about to say, yeah. Them tweeners, them tweeners, you know, kind of an underappreciated tweener. And, uh, and so they, it really wasn't Brad's type of kid. But I think he learned that, hey, man, these guys are two and three hours away. Mm-hmm. We can develop them. And so they ended up being this type of kids through some development. And I think that would, that would be where my blend of Greg and Brad come in. I still want tough, fast, long, athletic. I want lunch pail. I want willingness to work and all that stuff. I need that. I sleep good with those kind of guys. But I want that four man to be able to shoot it a little bit now, yeah. you know? I didn't think that was that important eight years ago. But now I feel like that four man, your four man, your most important guy other than your point. Because he is actually a point. I like he was a point forward type guy that can pass and facilitate. So I think that's where the blend came in. I, I got a mix of uh, skill and toughness now. Well, I'd say it's worked out for you. I mean, you've had how many? I mean, KJ got drafted, Jaron got drafted, Gerald Brantley yeah. got drafted. I mean, yeah, yeah. been pretty, been pretty good track record for you. So, so, so maybe a four man should come play here, right? <laughs> hey, you know, <laughs> the proof's in the pudding. Um, so, hometown Charleston came calling. The program has tradition and familiarity to you. What was it that was so attractive about this job for you to take over and, and, and be the head coach when, when you got the opportunity? Yeah, I had been dreaming about the job for about 12 years. And I've been dreaming about it, and, and I watched different coaches coach here and follow the program the whole time through. Uh, so I knew it was a special job, and I knew it had went up from NAIA to TAC or the Trans-American to SOCON, and now it was in the CAA. So I was excited about where the program was. You know, but at the time when I was at Clemson, I wasn't looking for a job. You know, I just bought a house uh, late June. I bought a house in Clemson and I had rented for four years in Clemson. Mm -hmm. So late June, you know, we go to the NIT Final Four. KJ is about to get drafted. I said, you know, I'm going to buy a house. Went to the draft with KJ, me and my wife. We bought our dream house. We redid the bathroom in late June. Go out recruiting in July. August, I'm walking my sons to school. It's about as good as a dad can have is walking his sons to school. Yeah, Walking them to school. In August, in September, too, I get the job. Like, the job is open. So uh, it didn't make a lot of sense. You know, God really uh, opened the door for me and gave me an opportunity to step through that door. Um, and it was just a special program. You know, I knew 
it was a special program. I thought it was one of those programs that can do something unbelievable and maybe, you know, break through and do some things that nobody believed can happen because we have the facilities and we have the city, you know, we have good resources and a good administration. So um, who doesn't want to live in Charleston and be in Charleston? It's unbelievable. So I knew that. And uh, now we, now we in the process of trying to build a program. We're going into year seven. Uh, we've had some success. You know, one of the things I've learned and anything is possible here, you know, we got guys in law school. We got guys in Medical University of South Carolina. Uh, we think we got a third NBA draftee in three years in a row. Uh, our guys graduate. Uh, so we've been fortunate, man, and, and just really excited about the next phase, the next part of the future of what we can do here at Charleston. And I kind of wanted to expand upon that. <clears throat> As you mentioned, you're entering year seven now. You've made two postseason tournaments, uh, five consecutive winning seasons moving in, three of them being 20-win seasons. Two draft picks already. You have seemingly a third one who might slide into the first round this year. How would you evaluate the first six years that you've had at, at College of Charleston? Well, I mean, I think the, the big thing I would say is uh, we were very fortunate to attract some of these young men who decided to come play for us. That's number one. Number two, we were very fortunate that some of the guys that were already here when we got here decided to stay and not transfer. So I think those two things, you know, got us going where we could have a foundation. And so, you know, um, and then in terms of our recruiting, I think the staff did a good job of evaluating uh, recruits because, like I said, you take a Jarrell Brantley who, you know, didn't get recruited. You know, uh, we only had two other schools we were going up against and none of them were power five and none of them were higher level than us. And then Grant Riller, the same thing, you know, being a, such a great player who visited just us in Cleveland State. And, you know, so for me, I think we did a great job of the staff just evaluating guys and recruiting. And I think that's so – and it wasn't really recruiting because mm -hmm. there's a difference between recruiting and evaluating. Yeah. Recruiting means I come into North Carolina and I beat somebody head-to-head -head that's a little bit higher than mm -hmm. us. And they said he did a great job recruiting them. Well, evaluating is you take the kid that people don't think is going to be that awesome, mm -hmm. and then you develop them, and then two years later they say, wow, where did he get him from? So yeah. I think with these kids, we evaluated well, man. And, and so now we're in the process now trying to continue to do that, you know, as we go into this 2021 class. we got a, a great team coming back next year with experienced guards, a couple of really impactful transfers couple of older big guys we have some guys sitting out so I'm excited about this team we got coming up but this next recruiting class is very critical for us to continue to push forward and maybe the next four years can be better than the last five you know sure and what what would you say the biggest thing that you learned moving over a chair becoming the head coach what, what was the biggest difference what, what was the biggest uh, thing that you learned man you know that that's you know that's like uh that's like drinking water out of a fire hose. You know, there's so many different things I can tell you. Number one, it's not going to go the way you plan it. Like, you know, as you prepare to be a head coach, everybody say, hey, look, get prepared, make a, you know, 100-day plan, all that stuff. Well, this, for example, my 100-day plan that I put together over the last eight years has started in April. Well, I get the job in September, so that plan was out the door from day one. Yeah. And so, you know, just um, two, two or three things I've learned. I think number one, your assistant coaches are critical. They're on the front line and they're out recruiting. They're building relationships with guys like you and guys, high school coaches and AAU coaches. 
their their savviness and and feel for your players uh, and helping you can uh, build your culture and, and enforcing your culture in the locker room. Uh, them guys got to be able to tell some jokes and get people to laugh. Them guys got to be in the trenches with the players. Mm-hmm. Uh, they got to represent well in the community. Uh, so and out on the road recruiting. I remember Dave Tellup, you know, a good friend of mine. We still talk. I remember Dave, man, just going in the gym, some of these AAU events, and, and this is important for my staff and any young assistant. But I remember going in some of these gyms and uh, and getting in there like the games at eight and getting in there like at seven fifty. Mm-hmm. And and that's kind of something I learned from the Citadel, just you know, just try to outwork everybody, do it, do be, be there early. And so we go in these gyms at seven fifty, and I would see Dave. And so it's interesting. When the last call that Brad made before he hired me, because he really didn't know me, he called Dave and said, hey, Earl Grant, what do you think, yes or no? And, you know, Dave had his memory. And yeah. so, so what I'm saying is, man, I think your staff, your, your assistants, they represent you. And uh, I think that's critical. Probably the most important thing I can tell you about being a head coach is your staff. And then number two, what I learned is, you know, you got to be able to tell people no. Um, because you know you got your players, you got your staff, you got your family, you got donors, you got fans, you got so many different people pulling for your uh, ability to do something, whether it be speak at an engagement or do some kind of event, and you just can't do everything mm-hmm. as much as you would want to. So your ability to say no sometimes and prioritize what's really important, uh, so you can put your energy into the right place, because it's a draining experience, you know, going through a year as a head coach and. And if you ain't careful and you don't manage it the right way, you spread yourself really thin. Uh, no question. And <clears throat> talking about the team that you have coming up, you lose three starters off of this year's team. You return both Zepp Jasper and Brevin Galloway. What are you expecting from those two heading into this season, next season? Well, first of all, I'm just excited about them, man, because, you know, these guys have been with me for a long time. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, they've really been here uh, doing a lot of labor, building this program up. They've got a lot of wins. Uh, they know how to win. They expect to win. They're great uh, people. I love being around them. They work hard. So I just want them to, you know, stay true to Charleston basketball. Just really uh, stay true to, to, to what it means to be a Charleston basketball player, you know, to work hard, to be honest, uh, to have some humility about them and, and, and being willing to work. And, and so I think if they just do that, uh, the development when we get back in July, hopefully August, the development will take care of everything they need to worry about and, and they'll be taking a step up in leadership. Mm-hmm. Uh, but both of them been in the program for, you know, a long time. So mm-hmm. I'm really excited to have that type of experience in my backcourt. And then you, you get Minnesota transfer Peyton Willis, uh, Juco transfer Cam Copeland, and then OC Smart has some starting experience too with 17 a game last year and all that kind of stuff, 17 minutes per game. What do you need from these guys in coming in and stepping up? I mean, the first thing is, you know, we got a couple guys, man, I'm, fired up about is uh, Brendan Tucker, D'Angelo Epps, oh, yeah. Trayvon Reddish. You know, them three, the three freshmen I had last year really showed some great toughness. And so I think they're going to take a jump. But with Peyton Willis, you get a fifth-year senior. I mean, you know, I, I watched Peyton um, play in 16 under AAU tournament in the Peach Jam. And we were recruiting Marquise Pointer, who graduated from us uh, a year ago. He was with the Arkansas Wings. So I watched his 17 and under with the Arkansas Wings. I go watch 16. I saw Peyton. Fell in love with Peyton. I just got the job at Clemson. He signs with Vanderbilt. You know, talked to him a few times. Never really got no traction in recruiting. Goes with Vanderbilt. He leaves Vanderbilt. Me and J.D. Powell, my assistant, we go see him. 
when he was leaving Vandy, we thought we had him. He went to Minnesota. And so nice to, uh, nice to finally have him coming down to Charleston and being a part of our program. I mean, he's a, you know, he's a fifth year guy that's averaged 11, 10 points a game in the big 10. So, I mean, he's a, he's a good player. He's big, he's strong, he's mature. He really shoot the ball and was one of the best in the country in efficiency uh, in ball care. Doesn't turn it over. His mm-hmm. assist to turnover ratio is pretty efficient. So I just think he'll be a great player for us. And you have all those guys or older guys, the six or the five that I've already mentioned. You had a great class come in last year, which you kind of alluded to for a second there with uh, Reddish, Tucker, King, and Epps. And then this year you have uh, De'Aaron Houston, uh, Harvey, and then R.J. Ogum coming in. How do you feel about the future of this program, where the direction is heading with the players? Man, I'm fired up. I'm fired up, really excited. Um, you know, you mentioned Cam Copeland. He'll have two years of play. He, he was at uh, Division One his freshman year, went to junior college, was all league in JUCO, shot the ball well, you know, grew two or three inches while he was in JUCO. So he's mm-hmm. about 6'7", 190, really athletic and, and talented. So, and then OC, just a, just a loyal, hardworking, blue-collar guy that's been with me the whole time, really fired up about mm-hmm. him having a chance to, to you know, put a, a – a, his final dance, you know, his yeah, last yeah. dance. He got his last dance with us. And so he's been around and so excited about that. But I'm excited about the future, man. We got some young guys that have won, uh, some young guys that really want to be here. Uh, it was kind of weird in that class. We went worldwide a little bit. You know, we went to Houston, Texas mm-hmm. uh, to get a point guard that played with uh, the Cools Elite AAU team on the Under Armour circuit. Uh, really talented player there. You know, big physical left-handed point guard. Uh, remind me a lot of Jalen Brunson. Hopefully he is like that, but that's what he remind me of. And then uh-huh. Keegan Harvey, Mountain Bird, 6'11", a stretch five that really can shoot and long, can run, uh, bouncy, you know, really fired up, you know, by his his ability to be a, a four-year guy that can really help us see some uh, beautiful things here down the road in the next few years. And then and then R.J. Ogham, you know, being a, one of the top players in Chicago, you know, um, playing out there in Chicago, and there's a lot of good players there. Big physical guy. Uh, played with all-in on the Adidas circuit. So, uh, really fired up, man. This, you know, I think the nucleus of the nine guys returning, and then you throw in some new guys. Uh, we had a guy sitting out. Uh, two guys sitting out. Big guys, Samba Njai, 6'9", 240, and, and Dontavious King, 6'7", two, about 250. So, uh, they practice every day, and they gave us heck in practice. Like, it was hard to guard them guys. And so, I'm fired up, man. You yeah. know, I think that uh, this 2021 is, is, is a big class. Uh, we will have a lot of guys returning next year, but 2021 is an opportunity, uh, you know, to really get a good class and, and put a stamp on what the future could look like. You know, you're saying that you're going kind of worldwide, I guess, to get this class and everything. It makes me, it makes me think, how, how much of an advantage is it to be able to go into like a Chicago or to a Houston or to Arkansas and then have a kid come visit you in Charleston, which is one of the best cities out there, right in the middle of downtown and stuff. How much of an advantage is that, uh, you know, in the recruiting process? And, and what's the feedback like from the kids when, when that situation happens? I mean, I think it's an advantage, you know, uh, obviously coming to Charleston, it's a great place, you know, so if you come here and you, you hang out for a couple of days, you really don't want to leave after the second day. I mean, you want to stay a little while longer. It's a nice place to live, you know, and, that has nothing to do with me. You know, that's just, that's the city of Charleston. Yeah. We happen to be fortunate to be here. So, and I thank God every day for that. But, but what I would say with that is it, it still goes back to relationships because 
with all them kids you just mentioned from the different areas, whether it be the kid from Australia via Mount Bird or, Australia, uh, or Arkansas or Houston. Like there's an unbelievable story behind the relationship behind it in terms of how we got the kid and, mm -hmm. and their ability to trust us because of the people we had relationships with that they were close to. Um, so I, I, it's all about relationships. And, and I think that's the key uh, to, to having a successful program, uh, to recruiting. Uh, and anything you do, whether it be in athletics or the corporate world, you know, you got to know people and you got to treat people right. And, uh, and you got to help people even in times where you ain't looking to get anything back. And so yeah. I think that's what it's all about, man. It's relationships. No doubt. And kind of winding things down here a little bit. You come, uh, your previous stops before being a head coach, you come from two head coaches who have very distinct styles and voices. Like when you think Brad Brownell, you think specific, you think Marshall mm -hmm. specific. What would you say, Earl Grant's style and voice is? I mean, I think the biggest thing is, man, just, uh, you know, be, give an honest days of, of effort. You know, just, just work hard. Uh, don't ask for handouts. Uh, be willing to roll your sleeves up and work. Treat people the right way. Uh, be humble. You know, on campus, you know, do what you're supposed to do in the community. Uh, respect people. Uh, and work hard. Just, just work hard and believe that hard work works, you know. I think that's the biggest thing if you ask. Believe the hard work works. And uh, believe it ain't just ain't, it doesn't have to be all about you. Uh, think about the guy next to you. Uh, treat that guy right. Take care of that guy. Uh, be a great teammate. You know, and be honest. And so it's really simple. We like to defend and rebound. And we like to run. And so, you know, you defend and rebound. If you get the rebound, well, guess what? That's a miss offense opportunity. So it's a lot of freedom on the miss. Mm -hmm. So we want to defend and rebound. And then players who play for me, there's a lot of freedom on the miss. We get to stop, you know, go, you can go. The first 10 seconds is yours. And so uh, there's a lot of freedom and trust, uh, player-coach relationship. We spend a lot of time with that. I think that's a big deal for me and my staff, the relationship and the time we spend with our players. But, but you know, we want to play tough, and we want to rebound that ball, and we want to run. So that's, that's how I would describe us. Absolutely. And, and, and lastly here, Let's just say I don't know anything about Charleston basketball and I walk into a practice. What is one thing you will guarantee that I will see, not knowing anything about the program or anything, that I will see in every single practice that is a staple called the Charleston uh, you know, program? You're going to see, yeah, you're going to see an unbelievable competitive spirit. You know, we're going to be getting after it, you know, rather it be one-on-one, -on -one, rather it be two-on-two, three-on-three, five-on-five, but it's going to be a competitive spirit. Uh, guys competing, guys going at the balls. Uh, you know, not a lot of whistles blowing, not a lot of stoppage, uh, letting guys play through things, letting guys get in a you know scrum, let them get real physical with each other uh, and have fun. You know, but one thing you I think you leave saying, man, they have fun. Yeah. Uh, we enthusiasm. We like to have fun. We like to laugh and, and uh, enjoy what we're doing. So, you know, you see assistant coaches, you see me sweating. Mm -hmm. uh, you ain't gonna see a lot of assistants standing around. So everybody gonna be sweating. Uh, you know, and I think when you sweating, you're having fun. I mean, if you ain't sweating, that's a bored day in the office. No doubt. And so I think the sweating, man, and competing, uh, having fun, embracing the moments, and enjoying what we're doing, and, and taking that for granted. Earl, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you spending some some time with us today. It's been very insightful, very good, and I'm very uh, excited to see what the program continues to have, the success it continues to have. Man, hey, Jamie, I appreciate it, man. Keep up the good work. Really uh, appreciate you thinking about us down here in Charleston and, and uh, Hopefully you continue to do great things and maybe we'll get some, some AAU this summer. Uh, we can get back to some normalcy at some point, maybe hopefully late July, early August, man. But appreciate you having me on and, and keep up the good work.
Fingers crossed, man. I can't wait to get back in the gym. I'm sitting here pulling my hair out, just ready. <laughs> yeah, I think we all are. <laughs> no doubt. Earl, thank you so much. Thank you, man. Take care.